Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is our show for Inside Man. This week's episode, it was episode number 17 of the 10th season, uh, written by Andrew Dabb and directed by Rashad Ernesto Green, who I believe is a first-time director for Supernatural, and hopefully not the last, because I think he did a great job. Um, I just loved this episode. I mean, it's it's not perfect, but it's, it's damn close. And I'm, I'm shocked, because I have not liked the last episodes by Andrew Dabb, but I don't know what happened, but he just pulled it. He just pulled it all together again, and I'm so excited. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, this this episode for me did everything right. It managed and and things that we've been we've been talking about and not liking about this season, where there's been too many separate storylines, too many separate characters, and them not working together or blending. And this one did it. Um, characters worked together, then they changed and saw other characters. The stories worked together well enough for me. Um, things moved along on the season arc with the Bark of Cain and Dean and what's happening. Um, it was incredible. I, all I can think is it was the return of Bobby <laughs> that just made everything pull together and, and go back. And I, I tweeted after watching this episode that I had no idea how much I missed Bobby until I got him back again. And I've I, been saying it all along. Nobody would listen to me. That's not true. I know. I listen, to you. I listen to you. I've been saying that the only really? thing I have, yeah, the only thing I've ever faulted Sarah Gamble for was killing off Bobby Singers. Now, mm. in her defense, I do think she thought that it was going. I do think she thought season seven was going to be it, and I thought I think she was going for a rocks fall, everyone dies kind of thing. And I do also understand that, in part, as much as we love him, he kind of has to blame Jim Beaver in a way for losing Bobby because he never wanted to sign a regular contract, and that made him. That made him vulnerable. Whereas, you know, we have other care, other actors who were willing to sign contracts, and therefore are consistently safe. And because we we have access to that knowledge, you know, it, and I've just, we've gone through this before. I've often talked about how, you know, obviously Sam and Dean dying the first two, three, eight times, whatever you're affected. Now at the like nine millionth time, you're like, yeah, they're dead anyway. But, you know, knowing that, like, Misha and Mark have uh, regular contracts, no matter what happens in the finale, you're kind of going, okay, but I'll see you next year. And we never, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever had that um, that kind of, I can't think of the right word, but we didn't have that, not confidence, we didn't have a security with Jim and, with, with Jim Beaver and Ergo Bobby, and it, it did it bit us all in the ass in the end, which, you know, on one hand, I still think his episode, the episode he dies, Death's Door, is one of the best episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fantastic. 
but you know, and I want—I am one of the people that kept complaining that they would bring him back randomly because I always felt like it gave his death less weight to keep seeing him. But I think this is the kind of episode where you bring somebody back without losing the gravitas of having lost them. Yeah, this is how you do it, and I—and it, and it almost pains me to give Andrew Dahl that kind of credit. It, it almost hurts. It, it hurts to give him the credit that I think this might be my absolute favorite episode of the season. No. Well, and, and Asties. I'm sorry. I love Asties. These is like perfection. I don't even care. I will fight everyone on that. Asties is it's definitely. It's definitely my favorite episode of the season. And um, a lot of that is because they brought Bobby back. And the way they did it, like you said, was absolutely perfect. And, I mean, when Sam brings out it's the hat, you know, the music mm. changes. Oh, he does it slowly. Uh, like yeah. first he did, it was done with reverence. And it's weird because you almost want to scream at them like, you've been keeping the hat, you idiot. Yeah. But, then, but, but your heart is going, oh, you kept it. You, kept, you still kept one thing. There's this weird yeah. mix of you know better. You absolutely know better. Yeah, but and it wasn't the hat. And hair. And there was just so much about what they did with Bobby was perfect. Although my son, when watching it with me today, he he, he thought it was amusing that Bobby's heaven was just his house. And, you know, and <laughs> I was like, it made perfect sense to me, you know. Yeah. But it, oh, yeah, wow. it, it made sense to me because it's his house before everything went sideways for him, though. Yeah, because it wasn't all cluttered. You know, it was all... Exactly. It's his house, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he can't have his wife because Andrew Dobb is the one who established in Dark Side of the Moon that only soulmates can share a heaven. And you can be married to someone, you can love someone, but you're not soulmates, which we understand with Sam and Dean because they can't intersect with their, their heavens. And obviously, they're not married. They're brothers. Which is saying you can your soulmates come in different varieties. Uh, so I I like that his heaven was just, but that in his heaven it's his house before he loses his wife and he becomes a hunter and it's always it's just him chilling. But in his heaven he does have that picture of him with Sam and Dean. Mm. He's still that he's still that proud papa in his heaven, and I love that. I love that he's uh, that. That's part of his heaven. And as, as soon as he's on the screen, and you hear his voice, and every, it's like everything felt right. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. this, this is what supernatural is right here. This is it. And it's it just, it's like, why can't we have him back? Please, can we have him back, please? <laughs> Figure out a way. But I, yeah, I would love to actually, yeah, I mean, I loved Death's Door was such an amazing episode and it was killer to lose Bobby. But And I know talk at the time was it became too easy because Bobby was solving everything. You know, well, we'll just let Bobby figure it out and we'll call Bobby. Yeah, he was, it was, and it we was aren't the, letting the, the guys issue. do anything. So, yeah, it was a child issue. It's, you have this older figure who... He just knows better because with age comes experience and knowledge and life, you know, life knowledge and all kinds of things. And 
it does become a cop-out, which is, you know, like in, in Buffy, you lose Giles as a regular in season six, and everything goes to hell. And he, he does tell her, you know, I couldn't hold your hand anymore. You're an adult. And so mm-hmm. on, a narr- on a narrative level, I get it. I totally understand mm-hmm. Bobby's death. That doesn't mean I like it. But on a narrative mm-hmm. level, I do think it's one of the, and again, I hearken to Joss, to Joss Whedon who says, you know, you don't always just go for the kill. You have to go for the pain. Mm-hmm. And that was painful. So I can't, I, I just can't rewatch Death's Door. I haven't rewatched this since it, since it aired originally because it's just so painful mm-hmm. to watch. And I agree that, yeah, it, it was a beautifully done episode. It was one of the best that ever, anybody you mm-hmm. talked to. Like even Jared, you know, will tell you that it's the best, it's his favorite one. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's just hurts so badly. I just I just can't rewatch it. Yeah. There, there yeah, are very I, few episodes I've never rewatched, and that one that's not on my list. I I can rewatch it. Uh, my list of I don't rewatch this is only about five to six episodes long, and. Well, there's some episodes I don't watch because I don't like them. There's like they bore yeah. the crap out of me, and I won't watch them. But well, Death Door is your version of of Friday Night Lights for me. Okay, yeah, and, and like um, the body for Buffy. Um, I, oh, I I've only seen it once. I, I can't do it. I can't body, do it again. Once is enough. It killed yeah, me. I I rewatched the body like twice, maybe. But yeah, it's just too painful even though whereas I was not I like Joyce but I wasn't she wasn't my favorite like Bobby is on Supernatural um so but it's painful in a different way just because it's so real it's what gets Mm -hmm. you about the body but well and with the body what I can do is I can rewatch certain parts of it like I can watch Willow slipping out about her clothes I can watch Anya having her melt her meltdown about eggs and fruit punch but I can't watch the episode. Right, right. Um, where Death's Door, I can, I can actually watch the episode. Though to admit, I think I've only watched it maybe about three times because it is, it is a rough one to watch. It's, it's hard. Um, but yeah, to have my only and uh, and this is one of those weird things where you know, real life intersects with with television and stuff. Is that a train? Yes. I knew it wasn't for me because I don't live on the side of town with trains. Oh, but it but wow. they're not that <laughs> you can tell how close far. I am to that. Yes. I, I, um, um I'm at work and we uh, – our studio is in downtown – there's a downtown city and the train goes right on through the middle. It's right outside my door. And that's the old 8 o'clock going through. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my only – and I don't even want to call it an issue because it's not a real issue. I guess my own my only heartbreak about this episode is that Sam and Dean don't get to see Bobby. Neither one yeah. of them. And that, yeah, that in te- technically, Sam and Bobby talk through the radio, but then there's that TV thing. I'm sitting there going, 
Jared and, and Jim didn't even film this together. Like, it's just this weird, like, heartbreaking <laughs> because I know how much, you know, Jim has talked about in, in at cons, on interviews, here on our podcast, how much he enjoyed working with, with both boys. And not to say he doesn't enjoy working with Misha, but, um, you know, there isn't a whole lot of Cass and Bobby in terms of the balance you get between in terms of the brothers and Bobby, like the ratio is not the same. So the emotion isn't the same. So it, I, I do feel like it was strange to that, you know, the one person who gets to see him is the le- the least invested in Bobby as a, as a person. They've been but, the yeah. Cass isn't invested in him. As, the way I is. agree, but that last scene. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, it, it, mm-hmm. it that last scene was just so beautiful. The way they filmed it and shot it and wrote it with um, Bobby's, oh, you know, Bobby's letter. letter. Oh, and yeah, that's why I say it's one of those things. It's one of those things that isn't so much the episode, but it's that I know how filmy. Like it's not like it's not like Jim really wrote that letter when it handed it to to Jared and then did the voiceover <laughs> while Jared was sitting there. Like I know, like that's not how TV works. So it's just this weird thing where I'm just kind of, there's like this little bit of, of, of bummed outness in me. But I know that there was no actual interaction between the three of them while this episode well, was filmed. Actually, there was. Because in an interview, one one of the interviews that Jim Beaver did this week, I forget which one it was with, we did retweet it and post it on our Facebook page. Um, but um, he's talking about um, when he was at the studio and um, he's walking you know, through the studio, and Jared runs up and gives him one of his huge. No, um, yeah, bear yeah, hugs. I read that article. Yeah, okay. I mean, in terms of, I mean, in terms of interacting together for the episode, not okay. running okay. into each other. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, there's just nothing. Like I said, it's it's television, so there wasn't really a radio, and and one of them was sitting on the other side of the radio talking to each other, and there wasn't there wasn't a real, you know. That that's real, so that's the only thing. And I and I hesitate to say that it bums me out because I think it added. I I, I think oh, this is going to sound weird. I I don't like that it's fair that neither one of them got to see Bobby. It's just it's a weird emotion. I it got a weird emotion from it. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. I just kept. It was weird, but it, it made yeah. sense. I mean, yeah, it, made it totally sense. made sense. In the episode, it made complete sense. And, and you know, I say again, at least Sam got to talk to Bobby a little bit. And at least he at least right. he got a letter. But it, it made it so much more poignant, you know. And and I, I, it, I'm sure that you, I don't know if Sam maybe feels the same way as Bobby at the end in the letter when he says, you know, I've been content in heaven, but now I've, I've realized I haven't been as happy as I've been today, you know, back in the game a little bit and hearing from, from Sam and all that. And, you know, Sam and Dean have learned to get along without Bobby, but I'm sure this reminded Sam of how much, again, he meant to them, how much he misses him. It's just a, it's just a big reminder. So, yeah. And I really liked, and I gotta, I gotta give, Sob a little a little hat tip to this one is I love him ripping off uh, Godfather Three 
And the minute he said it, I was like, oh, you so are <laughs> Corleone. But I love that just when you think you're out, they pull yeah. you back in. It was perfect. And it was so good because it it fit on, and I've discussed this in different ways, how I think the meta is, is failing lately without uh, Ben Edlin to do it and without Eric Ripke to do it. I think the meta within the show suffers. Uh, but that was a kind of like detailed, tiny meta thing that works. Because it works on just a regular line if you don't know the reference. But if you know the reference and you think, yeah, Bobby was the godfather, like, in in a literal way and in a keeping the gang together way. And it just kind of worked. I mean, I liked it. I really liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to say, line. I have to say, though, I am so worried about Bobby. Because, you yeah, know, what happened to him, him, the angels well, were looking for him. Yeah, so, but I want one, one side of it is happy. I'm glad yeah. that they left it that way because that means surely to goodness, you know, either the rest of this season or sometime next season, we're going to find out what happened to Bobby. They can't just mm-hmm. leave that open. That, that was, was exactly my like, thought. I was, I was like, oh, poor Bobby. And I was like, wait. This yeah, Someone has to help Bobby. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That leaves it open for that. And But then the other part of me is, you know, just scared for Bobby. What's going to happen? But it's like, yeah, well, they left that open. Okay, that's good. <laughs> well, heaven, heaven's got a jail, so he could be off to jail. Yeah. You know. So, Being and, taken and I, out of some kind of... There's some kind of sanctions going against him because he, you know, he didn't just sneak out. I mean, he let out all the other Robert Singers. <laughs> oh, that was great. So, so hilarious. It's so smart. The Bobbies are surly. The Bobbies are surly. <laughs> yes. The Bobbies are fighting back. The Bobbies are surly. And what was awesome about that? Robert Singer's voice? Yes. That was Robert Singer. That was Robert Singer. Oh. So it was perfect. So very again, that's how how you do meta season 10. This is how you do meta. Yep. Uh, That was great. I have have very, very, very little to, I mean, coming from me, amazed, I have very little to complain about in this episode. I love... I'm a, I'm, I'm a, and it's weird because my mother hates this, and I'm a sucker for it. I'm a sucker for a cold open and then a 24 hours earlier, 48 hours oh, earlier. I, normally, I hate that. Normally, I hate that, but this this one, I was fine with it. Yeah, I'm a sucker for it. My mom hates it. She's like, why? Why do they do that? Because she hates – my mother does not like a cold open anyway because she feels like she missed something. And I like, I like, I like a semi-confusing cold open. So I like that. Um, and I liked, I liked, this is such a weird thing to say you like, uh, that, that Dean is having this nightmare, and it doesn't even occur to Sam that it's a nightmare, that he thinks that Dean's in danger, and he is at the ready, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, Dean having this nightmare, and and the way Sam just watches him, and then you you know you cut to the morning, and they're both just going to pretend it did not happen. Well, I mean, possible Dean's unaware because we don't always remember our dreams and nightmares. Right. But that could be. Sam, 
Sam doesn't acknowledge it. Um, yeah. And uh, I did like I did like the you know you know you we know Sam's lying, but I like the way that he gets out of you know the way he gets out of the house. I think the whole yes. the French. <laughs> And I like it because I had I really missed lately that super awkward nerdy uh, Stanford type Sam because lately in the past couple of years Dean's the one who gets to be the the geek and the nerd and know all the apps and know how, know all the references and Sam doesn't get that as much. So to kind of harken back to the type of Sam that we knew in Providence, who was like, oh, yeah, French film. And it's something that Dean doesn't even question. He's like, yeah, my brother would. You go do that. Yep. Yep. I I, (laughs) I like Dean. I like, you know, harkening back to prank, you know, prank wars and just being brothers. I like Dean completely messing with his room. And what little brother, I don't have siblings, but what little brother says, stay out of my room? Why are you inviting that kind of trouble? Why? I, who knows? But I just loved it. I just loved it. It was like, and, and stay out of my room, you know? And you know, you know he's not going to listen to that. And then all the stuff he does in the room, oh, cracks the toothbrush. Oh. The toothbrush, I know, ew. And, and then he's, and he, sits on the pillow and rubs around and I swear to God if we were on Showtime or something Dean's pants would have been off and oh, their totally. butt would have been on that pillow. You know it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, had, I had one question about that scene though. He puts the tape on the rotary phone, you know, to keep mm-hmm. keep the phone on. Surely uh-huh. it's good do they actually use the rotary phone? You know, because I was like, oh. I, I was like, I thought they kind of actually use that. I want to think that we've seen them use it, but also like you, okay, but it's the Venom Letters phone, so you're screwing up Sam's phone in his room, but really you're putting the, all the phones busy. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> anyway, that one was a weird one because I've never understood that prank because that's an old prank back when people used phones like that that hung up in that way. And it's a prank I've never understood. I don't get it. Is it just so that like, if you pick up a phone in the other room, then you get no dial tone, you can't dial out? But it's in Sam's, I don't know, it was weird to me. But it was still funny yeah. to see him change things. Because, you know, the characterization of Sam is that he's very meticulous. Yeah, so, I loved the scene in his room. I loved that whole scene with with uh, seeing and Sam's. And is that the first real look at Sam's bedroom? Yeah, and if it's not, uh, yeah, that's the first. Yeah, look. yeah. and I love the little pan. I just love it. Yeah, we we and, see it briefly and, last season, but not very not very well. Yeah, I love the slow pan. I love how everything's very pristine. I love the shot of Sam sound asleep in bed. His feet are hanging off the end of the bed because they don't make beds long enough from back then. And and when Dean starts to scream for him, terrified, he's he's the way he wakes up, he jolts so hard the bed rocks and, and makes noise. You can you can hear it. And then I love the shot of him running down the hall. He is He's ready. He doesn't know what's going on, but
but he's ready. He's looking. He's not running without thinking straight for Dean. He's like, if there's something between me and Dean, I need to know what it is. I need to be prepared, and I'll get there as fast as I can. And he's got his gun, and I love his bare feet, and you can hear them flapping on the floor, on the tile floor as he runs. I don't know. That, the whole thing was just about the little things for me, and I, I just I just mm-hmm. loved it. Which I also think is interesting. Like, you, you, we have Sam in pajamas, and like you said, his bare feet and everything, and you cut to Dean, and he's wearing one of his regular Henleys. Mm-hmm. And so his clothes a lot. Yeah, the implication that he's sleeping in his clothes and that Still. harkens back to the issues he was having in season eight as well because, you know, we've seen that Dean does, you know, on occasion, and we've even gotten to the Men of Letters where he was wearing pajamas. Mm-hmm. His underwear. Yeah, he's, like, sleeping in yeah, a T-shirt and underwear. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen that Oxford in a few Reeves other... Yeah, we've seen that in a few other episodes even in hotel rooms, few and far between, but we've seen it going back as far as season one. So I find it always interesting the times when Dean sleeps in his clothes because it's a, it's a very much a get up and uh, be ready to get up and run kind of thing. I got to get out of here. And it shows a lack of, a lack of security, a lack of comfort, a lack of. Mm-hmm. Oh, out. So, um, and I like that. I find I don't want to say I like. I find it interesting that it's a combination of how much that Dean really is. Dean needs to do something, and my my mother called. You know, my mother just she just Dean is the ultimate compulsive to my mother. You know, he either has to be hunting, eating, drinking. He has to be doing something. He's just not good at sitting. And so, you know, he immediately messes up Sam's room, but he's already on the phone with Rudy, this mm-hmm. mysterious Rudy. He's already on the phone with Rudy, hoping that Rudy would be like, yeah, come help me, bro. Yeah, and Rudy is so not into that. No. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's already like home. Yeah, and we've learned for the most part that most hunters are kind of, unless they... They have maybe one partner, or but for the most part, they're lone wolves. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I like that. I like that Dean has. It's those little things that, about that you learn. That again, uh, Andrew Dobbs did a really good job of of of. of I have a problem with telling instead of showing. And he did the, mm. the showing instead of telling, you know, Dean walks in and he knows the bartender. He knows the menu. And I like mm-hmm. that he defended Spring Hole. He was like, wait, as far as Dean's concerned, that's a nice place. But how dare these guys come in and just, like, you know, be slumming it. And I like his little, you know, his little wink to the bartender that's like, I got you, bro. Don't worry. They think that you think they're gonna come into your place and be douches? No, I'll take care of this. Mm-hmm. And I loved, I loved his whole, um, you know, hustling pool. I loved that whole thing. It was, it was. I loved it except how stupid were those dudes? It was classic Dean. And okay, I have a, I have a question for you guys. I read somewhere. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember where, but someone said they thought Dean. 
Dean was starting to show characteristics of Dean and Dean and the Mark of Cain in the way that he handled the pool playing college students. So I watched again with like extra attention on it and I don't I don't see anything extra cruel about no. what Dean no. did yeah, at was, all. I it thought was it was very it difficult. was very similar to what we've seen before in terms of Dean hustling. I mean, we know that Dean that's their primary source of money. That's their only mm-hmm. source of money. We know that they do they play poker and they hustle pool and that's been from day one. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, they did the credit card fraud, but credit cards aren't cash. And Dean had three hundred dollars cash on him. He has no job. How did he get that? Hustling. And that harkens back right. again, season one, season two, we see yeah. you know, I for, I can't think of what episode is off the top of my head. That's one of my favorite shots though. And Sam the the opening of this Sam sitting on the hood of the Impala reading and lounging and Dean's coming out with a wad of money. Yeah. Bugs. You know, yes, Bugs. it is. And he, that's one of, you know, it's, it's that indicator right there that goes back that far. So I don't think there was anything malicious in the way he was doing it other than, other than typical hustling pool shark. And like I said, defending his watering hole. Um, mm-hmm. I just got to say, like, yeah, I, I totally get the getting hustled for 20 bucks, but when the guy that just hustled you, that you just hustled 20 bucks out of turns up and tells you, and you tell him 100 and he tells you three, that's your yeah, warning sign. Yeah, flag. <laughs> well, they're drunk. So, like, they're arrogant. I could you know, not but... believe they were still like, do it. Yeah. Um, I didn't, yeah, and I know, like, with the way he says, you know, and the guy's, like, when he's talking about the watch, and the guy's, like, you know, my dad gave me this watch, and he's, like, you know, uh, I'm sure it's a beautiful story, brought a tear to my eye. Again, for me, that wasn't a symptom of Demon Dean. It was more a symptom of, um, like I said, defending the bar. Yeah, daddy bought your watch, (laughs) big deal, you know, so yeah. I think it was. I think it was more. Yeah, playing the drunk guy and playing and having, like I said, he was hustling, but his intention wasn't to go in there to hustle. His intention was to just go in there, have a drink, have that gigantic nacho plate. (laughs) Yes. Um, That was his intention. His intention wasn't necessarily to hustle, although walking over three hundred dollars in your pocket is kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, Yeah. Um. Becky, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, it was, uh, first of all, yeah, it was just him being a smart-ass scene with that line about, you know, tearing my eye about the watch. But also, mm-hmm. I love the way Jensen said that whole line. Uh, it was it's just, oh, I just loved it. Something about the way he said it. It was just, I loved it. And then mm-hmm. when he when he tells the guy, rack him, and he does it in that forceful way. Um, yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, you know, and the look <laughs> and then, he gives over that, the Yes, over the when, he goes, with to, the, when he goes to shoot uh, for the first time, and he gives that, and he goes from looking up and being silly looking to serious, and I was like, oh, I could watch this over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I love yeah, the way he plays totally that. Uh, it's that immediate switch from, Drunk. Fake drunk to I am stone sober and you are so screwed. Yes, mm. I love that so much. Yeah, yeah, I love him messing up his hair, you know, before he goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And his hair, and he's and he's drunk. He's not so drunk he can't play pool, but he's just drunk enough to maybe 
mouth off to them and and they think they can hustle him you know it's 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 just right and I don't think that was Demon Dean and even later when uh, Rowena is there and she puts the curse on all the college boys to fight Dean he doesn't even kill them then when he gets a no. chance yeah no I, I, the only Demon Dean that was in the, this episode I think was one in his head when he looked in the mirror and we saw his eyes turn black, that was mm. all. And I don't think they actually turned black. I think no, that I think it was all paranoia. I, yeah, I yeah. think it was his paranoia. And I don't think there was any demon dean at all in this episode. He, like Rowena said, he was the hero. You know, he mm-hmm. he did he you know did everything he could not to kill those people, and he you know and he ended up saving them because Rowena must have cured them. Of that spell, otherwise, he yeah, they had let, to have struck a deal. They had, to yeah, otherwise, yeah, like, he wouldn't have let her go. He wouldn't have yeah, let like, her go. What happened? Damn it! <laughs> what happened? I know, but there's nothing, <laughs> nothing to me in that, and nothing to me in that bar scene was out of character for Dean. I mean, he no, may nothing. feel internally aggressive and paranoid about his actions, but how many times has been, you know, have they walked into a bar and? you know, things get crazy and they've had to kick everybody's ass in the bar or the yeah. restaurant or whatever. Um, it happens. And, you know, I mean, he, I love, I'm surprised he didn't kill the guy that he hit in the head with the pool ball, with the ball because, ouch. Yeah. Oh, that was like, well, he paid like, you, oh, ouch. But yeah, he didn't, he I knocked them all out. Um, yeah. I love when they first him. attacked him. He said, Mm-hmm. What did she do to you? You know, like he was genuinely sorry for those guys. You know, I mean, yeah, he hustled them, but he didn't think they deserved to be cursed or die terribly. He said, "What did she do?" Right. To um, and he knows, like you know, that these guys were were douches, but that didn't deserve they didn't deserve what Rowena did to them, and that therefore he whatever he did. It's implied that he did it and they, and saved them, got her to lift the curse. And the implication is there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, um, I don't know. I don't see Shades of Demon Dean in that. And I saw some discussion about that as well, but I think the only demon is the one inside Dean's head. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think... Because the mark was quiet. It's like... Yeah, it'll like burn when he's really something is really happening, and it was well, it was like nothing. Well, they kind of dropped that VFX trigger too, but um, that's, there's not a whole lot of real continuity with that. But whatever, I don't, I don't, I don't knock them for that. Um, but I don't think that I think I don't think Dean. Given what we know, Dean's not going to be a demon unless Dean dies again. So all the people thinking that Demon Dean is coming back and everything, I don't see that happening personally. I could see him going off the rails, but not as a demon. And I think on on top of that, you know, Demon Dean was more about, you know, and even Jensen has said it himself, you know, he was more about karaoke and, and and the bartender or the waitress. He didn't care. Whereas the dean that's going that is potentially going to go off the rails is more more violent, more vicious, more murderous, 
more where Demon Dean was just like, I don't even want to deal with you. Like, this is too much trouble. I'd rather just drink and sing in a bar. <laughs> so, Indeed. you know, I do think I, I do think in terms of Demon Dean himself, I think that's done. Uh, but I do suspect Dean himself going off the rails because this episode really set it up with with his dreams and his paranoia of it that mm-hmm. uh, that something big is coming. Um, I I find it interesting that Rowena chose Dean to try to kill first. Um. Why? I don't know if that. I don't know why I find that. Isn't he like Crowley's bestie? You know, you want to get yeah, rid of Crowley's she, best Yeah, but she she constantly refers to. She constantly says the Winchesters, the Winchesters, the Winchesters. She doesn't ever blame one or the other, well, and I like about her where she doesn't super duper well, she, focus. I don't think she. I don't think she knew which Winchester she was going to be getting because she had that demon to do that. Um, wire you mm-hmm. know do that phone search or whatever and he got yeah. her within oh miles. that's true yeah that's so yeah. She was going I forgot about that, scene was, that scene was so short that scene was so short and i was so distracted by the very blatant microsoft plug cw <laughs> uh, <laughs> that i kind of forgot about that scene but yes you're right okay um yeah. it did it did kind of and pull I, me off about that Oh, and I like I the, little, wanna... the little communications guy, too, saying, you know, you can be damned and a conscientious worker. That's <laughs> <I'm laughs> very funny. Uh, he reminded me of some accountants I know. Um, mm. I, I wanted to um, say one thing to have a complaint, not a complaint about, but a, it was funny to me. My mother caught it. I didn't. Um because you mentioned, you know, hearing Sam's feet slap, and I said I have very few complaints about this episode, and it's about the writing. It's twice on my TV. I haven't watched it online, so I don't know if it syncs better online or what happens, because the only time it does it. When Rowena comes back from the bar and she's perfectly fine and she walks into her room, she stops walking, but you still hear two more steps. And my mom was like, is somebody behind her? And I was like, wait, no, wait. And so we waited. And we're like, no, she's alone. And then when she walked Oops. into crowd, it does it again. <laughs> she stopped huh. talking. Are you her? So she was, the the, the, the high heel clanks were not uh, synchronized properly for both moments on my TV. I wonder. I wonder if it's just your local affiliate because I didn't have those problems and I listened on my headphones. I didn't know. I didn't notice the first time I watched it. The second time I watched it with my mom, she noticed it. And now I, but I've only watched it onto my TV, so I haven't watched it on the um, on the CWTV.com, which I usually do, but I haven't gotten around to. I just watched it three times on my regular TV. Um, I watched I watched it a couple times on my regular TV, but then today actually, I watched on my through Amazon Instant Video um, with my headphones. I'm actually going to listen for it right now. Talk amongst yourself. <laughs> um, well, well, back to the bar scene with Rowena and Dean. 
She tried to kill Dean with a curse, and it bounced right off. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting. And it was really interesting that she said the mark was a curse, and a curse can be removed. So right. I was like, oh, is that where this season's going to go? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and, and from there, Metatron says, it's it's big time magic. It's God magic or it's Lucifer magic. Uh huh. Yeah. Or and older. Oh, and or older. Yeah. And and I I oh, get the feeling I would just love to see Lucifer back because that's a tie with Sam for sure. And if Sam's going dark and he'll do anything to save Dean, he may not succeed, I, but I'd I'd like to see him try to to. I don't think we're gonna get. I think. I think, and it's set up in the. It's set up in the. Although again, we tend we tend to try to avoid talking about the next week on type of stuff. But I think it's gonna do more with uh, maybe Rowena, the Coven. Uh, They're really, really pushing, especially last episode with Olivet, that we were pushing the the meta letters, Coven, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's a curse. It's the oldest, or it's the first curse, but it's still just a curse. Um, I'd be surprised if it's, if, if Dean, you know, Sam and Dean have always been, I mean, they'll use a spell here or there, but in terms of witchcraft, they are, they are pretty anti-witchcraft. And mm-hmm. so I think that's going to be the version of, uh, of Sam not, you know, going over the edge. Mm-hmm. Doing, I, ha- no. I have a feeling that it's going to be a combination of what you just said with, about mm-hmm. the witches and everything, because the witches and Rowena has been all through the season, and there has to be a point to having Rowena. So I have a feeling she's going to be a part of it since she knows about curses. And if you don't like spoilers about next week, this is just a title and a guest spot for next week. So if you but if you don't like that, mute us for a minute. But Charlie's back next week with the Book of the Damned. Mm-hmm. So I, it's like they are going out of the way to bring Charlie back, and with this huge Book of the Damned that they talked about once, I have a feeling mm-hmm. it's going to be a combination of Charlie, the Book of the Damned, Rowena. I have a feeling it's going to be something along with that. Mm-hmm. I know, but I, it just it was so cool to have them mention God magic and Lucifer magic. Yes, again, you know? that was, was very so interesting. Cool. You know, very. It's like kind of like a every sort of possibility. You know, so it's it's out there. Um, they mentioned the tablets again. Like, was it in the tablets? And they and yeah, said, no, but they were mentioned, and that was and, and we know to bring Kevin back. <laughs> And okay. you know we can't trust we can't trust Metatron because he right there told him he lied about that whole river at its source thing. You know he he admitted mm-hmm. to lying about that. So if he lied about that, he could be lying this about the uh, demon tablet too. So right. Um, also, the original the original Cain story in in the Bible, and I know Supernatural does does their own version, but it says when God put the mark of Cain. <laughs> on Cain, put the mark on Cain, um, he says, no one was to touch him, even though it was a curse. It was like you couldn't, it wouldn't be right for anyone to kill Cain or go after Cain. So 
I wonder if partially that's a little bit why Rowena's curse bounced off him. You know, I mean, of course, yeah, it could just yeah. be, well, he's, he's, you know, was demon, is demon, came back from the dead, and it just, he's just not your basic human. So that's why her curse didn't just work on him. But I don't know. It's a, it's another possibility out there. Something to think about. Um, I like we got, we've got Crowley back. The King of Hell, badass Crowley, is on his oh, way back. Oh, I hope and... it's, yes, I hope it's to stay, because like I, I've been saying all season, I'm tired of, wimp, of a wimpy King of Hell. I want my King of Hell to be a badass <laughs> King of Hell. Yeah, and... well, he says I have the Winchesters right where I want them, you know, and all that. But then he did say at the end, he says, maybe you were right, you know, maybe I was uh, gone soft. And, I, you're, and, and I'm with you. I hope badass Crowley stays. And talking about badass, we got a bit of a badass um, Castiel, which is my yep. favorite Castiel. And mm-hmm. so I, I really, really enjoyed him in this episode. He, especially when he said the part about shoot your freaking brains out or however he said it. <laughs> I, I love it. I hearing Castiel say that. And yeah, I, I, I love, love how Sam old. I love how cold Sam and Cass are together against yes. a foe. It They're was so, so cool. And I love After that. Metatron. So, so, yeah, I like... One, I was not expecting Cass to steal Metatron's grace. That was cool. No, yeah. that and was I good, like yes. that it's the immediate the immediate stealing and the healing of his throat and then Sam shot to the knee. I love yep. that Sam is cold like that. I just, mm-hmm. again, it's that mystery spot kind of Sam that I just, I don't, I know in real life, he'd be terrifying, whatever, but as a character, I love it. And, oh, I did go back and watch those scenes, and it is just, like, a fraction of a second off on her steps, on both of them. Well, just, uh, that's I, the I only complaint the about this episode. I know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, didn't, I, I'm not, I didn't even notice it. My mom was just like, is somebody behind her? I was like, I don't know. What? Oh, because it was, you know. I, again, I had already watched it. She was already watching it, so I knew what Rowena was going to do to herself. So I was like, no, wait, huh? And now I understand why some people, I saw some tweets that night where people were confused about who beat her up, if she'd done it to herself. At the, on my first watching, I thought it was very obvious that she did it to herself. But if, yeah. your sound was, if your sound is off like that and you notice the footsteps, I could get where you could think maybe a demon came and helped her. Um, I can understand that because I did see some tweets where people were like, wait a minute, who, who beat her up? She beat herself up. Uh, yeah. So I could get where where the, the, the sound effects, the, that ever so slight offness could have confused some people. Um, Going back to Castiel for a minute, um, for the first time in quite a while, I felt like Castiel finally has a purpose, you know, because he's been like, you know, kind of on the edge of storylines for such a long time and not really having a part in the storyline, except for the whole Claire thing, which I've been so disappointed with the Claire thing. But mm. I I really like, I loved him in this episode. And it's like, if we can get more of this Castiel and his, you know, his participation in the storylines go along like this, I am all for it because he was, mm-hmm. this is the Castiel that I fell in love with when he, you know, back in season four when he first appeared. So I, yeah, I, this I'm is my season really four. 
my season four and my season six cast. And I, I always hesitate to tell people how much I love season six cast. He was really screwing over the Winchesters and going behind their back and, you know, his fault that we had the Leviathans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. But he was such a badass. And I loved it. And I am somebody who, I, I, I like, I like, I like, I don't want to say I like a villain because I don't consider Cass a villain, but I like fallible characters and I like ambiguous characters. And so I get really irritated when Cass is made out to be the dumb one, but I love when he's the, when he's focused and badass. I love it so much. And mm-hmm. I love what I really liked in this episode, and I'm like you said, I'm kind of piggybacking off of you saying he has a purpose, is that Metatron tells Cass, you know, I know in terms of your grace, I wasn't lying, and I can take you to it. And Sam basically tells, like, it's this, it's this really short, nearly silent conversation between them where Sam tells him if you want to abandon the current mission to deal with your own issues, I'm not going to complain right now. I'm not going to hold you back. I'm not going to guilt trip you. you do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. He gives Cass the choice. Um, and I find it interesting that Cass's choice is I'm going to go deal with my thing. Um, again, like you said, I, it's giving him his, his story and his purpose because Let's be honest, it's been almost, it's been over a year and a half, a season and a half of no, um, is that me making that noise? The rattling, can you hear that? I'm sorry, that's me. I, oh. I, I, that's me with my coloring pencils. I'm coloring as we're talking. <laughs> sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was, I thought I was uh, making like static. Um, I am. Um, I don't know what else to say. Sorry. Talking about anyway, I like. Yeah, I know, but I don't know what else to say. Anyway, I I like and I like I just for whatever Cass's reason is because Cass knows that he can't he can't go on. He refuses to continue stealing Grace, and the Grace that that Crowley gave him in episode three is only going to last so long. Especially if you know he's running around blowing doors down for Sam and things like that and. you know, he's... Speaking of, the thing I talked about, was it last week or the week before, Sage Brocklebank was in this again as a demon, and he was the angel that, uh, <laughs> that Cassiel originally killed for his grace. And every time I see him, it's like, are you an angel that turned into a demon or not? I need to know. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh. I I think I think Cass going off after his own grace right now, even though it seems like he's he's taking his own um, his own project before before Sam, before helping Sam and uh, about Dean. I think maybe he's thinking if I get my own grace back, I'll be at full strength and I can do the absolute most. I'll be at full strength to do whatever Sam and Dean need so even though he's he's taking a tangent from that that mission right now yeah yeah i, think, I can totally yeah see no that i'm too, not yeah. i'm not saying like yeah i'm not saying it was for selfish reasons i'm saying that mm-hmm. i 
I more like the interaction between Sam and Cass where they're saying, where it's the, what's your priority in this moment? And it's Sam, and you know, like I said, it's Sam's not pushing Cass in any direction for it. And I found, I want to say I found Cass's, the way he prioritized interesting. Again, he has to have his grace back. Oh, that's what I was going to say. It's been a season and a half, more than a season and a half of him without his grace. And to be honest, it's 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 become tedious. And at this, and what more are they going to do? He has to get his grace back already. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Metatron. Like, are they going to leave Metatron mortal? Um, is are we going? Are we coming near the end of Metatron? Because you know, that would be okay with me. <laughs> I and you know here's the thing I have such mixed feelings about Metatron because on one hand, uh, you know, he's, it's been this will be you know three seasons of Metatron at the end of by the end of this season if he sticks around. So on one hand it's like seriously still with Metatron. On the other hand, the way Curtis plays him is just it's that kind of creepy that I enjoy that just. Mm-hmm. Ah, I can't even explain it properly, but it is that um, he likes the it's slimy, weaselly, you know, yeah, that I, kind that of thing. I, yeah, but he awesome. he he was not that Almost way for a while. Joke. For a while, he was just annoying, right. and whiny, and he finally found that evil weasel streak again. And and yeah, I, I like that better, but. Yeah, it, it's a bit like it's a bit like the important. it's a bit like the Joker to me, where the Joker was always gonna screw up and tell you his plan, but as much as you thought he was screwing up and telling you his plan, he was screwing you even more. Um, and and it's kind of that kind of vibe that I that I get from Metatron. So in the pat in the last two episodes we've had him, I've actually really enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That it's, yeah, like I said, he found that weasel he, streak again, yeah, you know, and, that and you really were stay. afraid again and everything, yeah. Yeah. Am I saying that he can stay? No, not necessarily am I saying that because, again, I do think, you know, often characters run their course and I think for whatever reason the writers have, they don't let that course naturally run. And... Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of characters that we have from, you know, what we call the Carver era that are still around when we never had that before. Uh, It was not the type of show where everyone survived all the freaking time. And so Mm -hmm. it's it's getting a little tedious to me that everyone always survives in some way. So, But we've talked about that this season between Crowley and Cass and saying maybe they've out outlive their their real stay on the show, their logical progression or logical stay Right. And I do think show. that this what what's going on right now is an attempt to reboot and circumvent that by by Carver mm-hmm. and the writers. I think it's something they're aware of and so they've got to I don't want to use the word justify, but I'm going to use the word justify. Um they have to justify why these characters are still are still making sense. And this is an episode that even brings that, you know, that this episode nearly says it to your face with the scene with uh, 
Crowley with Crowley and Dean where they're both like, why why are we even talking? This is this is not how we used to do things. This is mm-hmm. ridiculous. And I I I think it gives me hope that the writers themselves understand and have something in their back mm-hmm. pocket. Um and we saw a bit of it this episode, like, you know, with both characters of Cass, for whatever reason, he knows that he needs to be an angel. And it's it's a weird moment, also, and this is going to go to this, this episode as well with the psychic, where, you know, Cass wants to call himself a person, and he's not. And then, you know, mm-hmm. we have Crowley, King of Hell, and not behaving like the King of Hell. And I find Crowley and Cass to be extremely similar characters, um, especially the last few years. Just very, very similar characters in that they both lose their way very easily. And, you know, as I've said with, with, with Crowley or with every villain, nobody, nobody necessarily, everyone thinks they're the hero of their own story. So as far as Crowley's concerned, he's, not the good guy, but he's the right, he's the one who's right. And I, you know, in this episode, you know, he tells, I love that he calls Rowena, I love that he calls Rowena, Rowena instead of mother. I love that moment so much. That um, that right there, that showed the big change in him right there. Yeah, that, that was just, so just, good. And so I'm hoping that with both Crowley and Cass, we're going to see a bit more of, uh, as Carver teased in the very, you know, during uh, Comic-Con previews for this season and early uh, interviews where he said, this is the season for everyone to remember who they are. Mm. And I'm really, really hoping that he he provides that for us because it, it'll alleviate what the the three of us and a lot of other people have complained about in terms of Crowley and cast where it's just like, you're not the cast that I, 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 I fell in love with in season four five, six. You're not the Crowley that I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed watching in season six, seven, eight, you know, you're not that character anymore. I missed my character. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a difference between, you know, character evolution and just completely washing a character away for no real reason. Mm. I love that Dean called Crowley Boris. <laughs> yeah, finally, Boris and, and, and Rowena is Natasha. I was like, oh. I adored that. <laughs> I thoroughly adored that. And I like that. I had actually, you know, again, because they had been keeping Crowley and Rowena's storyline so separate from everything, I for a moment forgot that, yeah, that Dean didn't know that Rowena was is Crowley's mother and the shock mm-hmm. in his face where he was just like, what? And again, you know, the slow interweaving, which I do think has been admittedly a little too slow with the interweaving of things, but I'm glad we're finally getting somewhere. Yeah. And can we talk about the psychic Oliver Price? I just loved him. I, I survived oh. and I'm so glad. <laughs> I looked him up because I'm like, his voice is so familiar. And I mm-hmm. looked him up, and um, uh, I can't remember what the actor's name is, um, but he's a voice actor. I didn't hmm. see any other real, um, like, on-screen acting for him. 
But where I remember Newman from, he's Mr. Turtle in um, Franklin the Turtle. Any of you have kids? Um, I kid, my boys when they were little would watch Franklin on Nick Jr. And he was Mr. Turtle, which is Franklin the Turtle's dad. And I was like, oh, that's where I know that voice from. He's Franklin's dad. <laughs> I thought he was so great as as the psychic. And, and, I mean, he's kind of cranky and crotchety and understandably so. And and I I love how he can't read cats and he says you know I and he says well what are you who are you and he says I'm an angel and he's like you can't be an angel he says and and he says, why he says, because I'm an atheist and Sam just matter of factly says not anymore <laughs> I love that yeah. I love that so much the only thing I didn't I don't want to say I didn't like about that scene because I didn't it's again one of those things that you. We keep and it, it's inevitable. We discussed recently, you know, that there's only seven stories in the whole genre. You just retell them, but it's the same idea of when um, when Lauren can't read and he says, "And your aura beige." That's all I kept thinking when he said that uh, when Cass's aura was just colors, or that I was like, "And your aura beige." So when when Lauren said yeah. that, so that's all I could hear. It's just one of those things where hmm. can't unhear it. Um, not a problem, just can't unhear it. Uh, but mm. I did like him a lot. And I, again, I, yeah, I, I like that he survived. And again, we get another tie-in with the mental letters of Sam saying, you know, he's the real deal. The, the mental letters were training him up. Mm-hmm. They were going to use him. And so, again, we get the mental letters being drawn into this. Um, yeah, and I'm glad because I I I I felt like the mental letters when it was first introduced had such potential, and then the potential kind of waned, and so I'm glad to see it become an active part of the story again. I mean, don't know how long that'll continue, but um, I mm-hmm. I do I do like that for now. I like that. Yeah, I thought. I don't know. I just love Val. I like how he also said, heaven has a freaking jail. (laughs) 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 The way he says it. Um, I'm so glad he lived. One one little teeny tiny little thing that I love. The set decoration Mm -hmm. people are so great on the show. When um, Dean and Crowley are having a drink at the bar, and Crowley is, of course, having one of his fruity drinks, as he does. And Mm -hmm. he, he... he has a pitchfork, a little plastic pitchfork in his drink. And I'm like, that's perfect for the king of hell. He's got a pitchfork. Well, and he drink. did the, the last time that he had a fruity drink, he mm-hmm. had a pitchfork also. Uh, I love that. I love that. Oh, that was yes. the other thing. A lot of people were, I don't uh, were sort of complaining about uh, Metatron calling Cass Astiel. He's done that before, <laughs> though, hasn't he? He's done that. Yes, he has definitely done that before. Yeah, that's like yeah. literally his nickname for him. And and I saw a lot of people saying that 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 was, you know, the first time. It kind of a how dare Metatron. And I was like, that's he's called him that at least one other time. So I thought it and was weird that people were kind of latching onto it this time. I thought it made perfect sense. He's no fan of Cassiel. Why would why would he no. call him something? Nice. He, and he never has know. been, you know. He yeah. he used Castiel originally for a purpose because Castiel was, again, 
the things that irritate me. Castiel was the mm-hmm. idiot who believed him. None yeah. of the other, other angels would have even come close to buying Metatron's story, I don't think. But And also, you know, on the angel hierarchy, the scribe of God is higher up than whatever kind of level Castiel is at, I would think. so. Yeah, so for him to call him Astiel, it's, it is that I'm, I'm, I may be in jail. It's, it's like throwing Martha Stewart in jail. When Martha Stewart was in prison, she was still Martha Stewart. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm a, huge, I'm a really big Martha Stewart fan, so. <laughs> Why call her criminal or not? We have Martha Stewart or homies. So, uh, but yeah. Might be the first comparison in bringing Martha Stewart into supernatural analysis. For any writers that are listening and are going to add a Martha Stewart uh, <laughs> connection, uh, copyright. Well, she's chapter 15. Uh, give me an email and I'll let you know where to mail that. Thanks she's ever so. Well, according to Buffy, you know, she's a witch, so. Yes. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm a huge Martha Stewart fan, and I'm not even afraid to admit it. So there, there's that. Oh, I, but yeah. Again, it is, it is the ice. It is the idea of you. You. You might be in jail, but you're still who you are. Yeah. Um. um I loved how Bobby was highly unimpressed with Metatron when he met him, and he's like, "I'm <laughs> and he called Brad. him Brad." <laughs> I love that he called him a. And I love that Metatron was like, that was a great show. I'm going to take that as a compliment. (laughs) I've liked liked that progression of Metatron where he is just so like, he's gone from, you know, when he kept saying that he was the nebbishy, you know, and and saying, you know, the jocks are making fun of me to, again, even Metatron kind of remembering who he really is. And so I'm interested to see how Metatron and Cass, how that comes down, because I just have the feeling, I again, love Cassiel, but it never fails. It never fails. And, of course, you need it for TV drama, but, oh, I just feel like Metatron's going to get his grace back somehow. I just feel like he is. And so I'm interested to see how that's going to go down, though, because it's, I think it'll be interesting. Um, we'll see. I wonder I wonder if, okay, like I said, Metatron's higher up on the hierarchy of angels. That is his grace more powerful than what Castiel's, normal, Castiel's grace would be? I thought about that because it's a different color. It was white. So, well, so I wonder... If Castiel were to say absorb, I don't know, ingest, how whatever they do with Grace, um, if he was if he was to whatever with if he was to take in um, Metatron's Grace, now that he has it, would that make him as powerful as Metatron? I thought about that as well. Once I noticed the color differential, I thought about that as well because, like I said, Metatron's Grace is white. And I found that quite interesting. Um, just like, you know, we know Crowley's eyes are, and Crowley's smoke is red. And mm-hmm. he's the king of hell. So does it does it fit in in some way? Um, Speaking of angel stuff, I like that we kind of 
we didn't actually see Hannah, but we got to talk to Hannah again. Oh, that actor was so great with his change. Yeah. That actor mm. who played Terrific. the vessel for Hannah, yeah. he When he took in Hannah's grace or whatever, Hannah's spirit, whatever they call it, he yeah, he was perfect. He was Hannah. He's completely... Yeah, it rem- Mm-hmm. He had her, yeah. He had all of her mannerisms, the way her rhythm of speaking. Uh, he he was the look in his eyes changed to this soft, mm-hmm. loving look. I mean, he whoever that actor is, kudos to you, dude, because you were awesome. Yeah, yeah he was terrific. I, mean, I just looked up his name the other day, and now I've forgotten it. Um, and it reminded me a lot of when Jared uh, switches, like, like. Jared playing Sam versus playing Lucifer and Jared playing Sam versus playing Jared playing Meg. I remember in Born in a Bad Sign where Jared's movements were slightly more feminine and fluid. And mm-hmm. it was that same kind of thing where it was it was really Yeah, it was a completely different angel and it was very visible, so that was yeah. I really enjoyed that and you know, as much as you know I loved our original Hannah. This guy was a really good Hannah as well. I love that and Cass, Cass as as I knew find her name. right away. Mm-hmm. Cass recognized her right away, and he was so happy to to hear from her. And, and it didn't face him in the least that she didn't look like how he remembered her, you know, like her last vessel. It was just, he. it was no hesitation, you know, and he was just as happy to see her as she was to see him. You know, I thought it was a really lovely scene and that actor did an amazing, amazing that job. actor, if I, if I, if I butcher your last that name, actor. I'm sorry. Um, I am, I, my cousin is half Lebanese, but I am not Lebanese. So I'm going to murder your Lebanese last name when I try to pronounce it. And I'm so sorry. Uh, but his name is Lee Majdoub. Yeah. If I, so, um, uh, uh, talking about um, the, that Hannah's vessel there, and I understand why they did it, so we would know that it's Hannah's uh, vessel. Hold but on. I'm yeah. sorry, real real quick, I couldn't figure out why I recognized him. When I say it, say it, you'll rec- you'll figure out why too, Becky. He was uh, he played Raimi in an episode of Cult. Okay, there we go. Cult, love that. That's show. why he looked so familiar. Yes, he was in Cult. Okay. He's also in an episode of Arrow, so he is in the. Uh, as as we called it for years, the CW stable. Um, um, he did an episode that, of Psych. Years ago. Oh, that's cool. Yes, he did. And an episode of Fringe. He was a paramedic. So, yes, if he is familiar to anybody, that is why. He's in all the things. All the things. <laughs> uh, um, so, again, what I was going to say was I, I understand why they did it. Um, so we would know that that was Hannah. We would know that it was angels that we'd seen before. But at the end, when they come in to get Bobby, you know, they're in mm-hmm. heaven. Um, I assume they don't need vessels in heaven. Um, and she said, Hannah specifically said that she had promised herself she wouldn't, and you know, in, inhabit another vessel again. But she did just at one time to talk to Castiel. And again, I know why they did it, so we would know who those were, angels were who came in to get Cass and who came in to get Barbie. But it's like, 
so weird to me. It's like they're in heaven. Why do they need the vessels? You know, well, I've, we've always mm. had them in the vessels and the suits. Although when they come to get him, I it's I don't think it's Hannah anymore. He's back to being the guardian. Yeah, yeah. Um, because when he's when he's there when he's there guarding the and I think they they have him listed as just the guardian for that part. But um, mm-hmm. when he's guarding the portal, that's a completely different angel in a vessel. I okay, th- that makes sense. That makes better sense. My okay. thinking is, as soon as that conversation was over, Hannah bailed, and it was yeah. about to be the guardian. And so yeah. when they pick up Bobby, and we see him also, and during um, the when all the Bobbies are trying to get out, he's back to be the guardian. It's no longer Hannah. Um, we have a caller. So. Hey. So I think we'll put them on, see if they have a question or something to say about this episode. Hello, this is Winchester Radio. You're on the air. Hi, Hi. this is Susan. No, I'm Susan. (laughs) (laughs) That was weird. I'm Susan, too. (laughs) Hey, um, I actually was calling um, about the phone prank when you guys were talking about the phone prank that Dean did in Sam's room um, with the rotary phones. My sisters and I used to do that to each other when we were young. And the purpose of that is because when someone the phone rings and you answer it and you say hello and you put it up to your ear, the phone continues to ring in your ear. That's oh. the purpose of that. Okay. Yeah. I'm and, more uh, I I'm I'm of this weird age where rotary phones still existed and so when I was up to like three or four years old. But mm-hmm. then not that. So my technology knowledge is like in terms of pranks is a little off kilter. Okay, that makes perfect sense. My, yeah. The, my problem with the whole thing doing the phone prank is why do they have do those phones work? Why do they have working rotary? They show they've shown them work before. They've shown them sitting on tables before, but I'm, I don't remember ever seeing them actually use them. Yeah, because they always use their cell phone, and I did kind of question that, too. I understand why he was doing that, but I, I don't think that they even use the phone or if they work. I don't know. Maybe it's an in-house phone and Sam and Dean call each other's room. I don't know. <laughs> but that, it, it didn't really make sense to me, that part, but I understood why he why it was done in the first place because that's what we used to do, you know. So, <laughs> But I, I absolutely just... Love that this is my favorite episode of the season. Hands oh, free. Yeah, it's mine too. Yeah. I, th- I think everything was just so well done. Um, but I'm a little bit hesitant about what's to come. I mean, I'm t- I'm wondering, do you think that when um, Olivette was talking about the coven, Grand Coven being, um, I guess, pretty much demolished by the Men of Letters, do you think she was being truthful about it, that the coven really has pretty much, it, it, I guess, been just, um, uh, I guess, obliterated. Disbanded? Or, yeah, disbanded, thank you. Or if they are still out there, because I, I kind of keep wonder, waiting for this, like, the gathering of witches to kind of descend on Sam and Dean. At least that's what I was kind of hoping would happen. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. 
um, you know, either this season or maybe even next mm-hmm. season for all we know. Because yeah. you know, they like to keep they like to keep their bad guys around for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if she was telling the truth or not. And I I personally I would like that to happen. That would be really cool. So. Yeah, I I think that if they brought in the Grand Coven, that would really you know be kind of a game changer. And I and Sam and Dean they hate witches, you know, and they have they their reaction to it is. And I also thought that at the end of the season that maybe Sam would become a witch. Ooh, you know, and, interesting. And because yeah. they said that Sam's going to go darker and do stuff he would never do, and in order to remove the mark of Cain. He might dabble into witchcraft, and then they could, and then in season eleven they could bring in the Grand Coven. So, you know, that's just a little bit on my wish list. I like your theory. That is, that would be a way, <laughs> way to go. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, a, a girl can hope. <laughs> <laughs> and we know Dean is no fan of witches, so he definitely oh. has something to say about that. Oh, yeah, always spewing bodily fluids. Yeah. <laughs> They're just so unsanitary. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and my one of my favorite parts of this episode was when um, I think someone put Castiel jumped into Heaven's Gate like a boss, you know? <laughs> when, when Sam tackled the angel and they showed Cass jumping in slow motion through there, that was... That was just one of my favorite, favorite parts of, I just, I, I hope that they continue along the same, you know, with Cass and with Crowley and mm. just, it's it's just, I, this is like the perfect episode for me. Yeah. I agree. I like I agree. Speaking, of the, speaking of the stunt you're saying, I really like, again, I don't like, I like my Cass badass. I don't like him dumb, but it's okay for him to be a little comical. So I mm-hmm. like that he takes that running leap into the, the portal. And mm-hmm. it, as long as it's in real time, there's a gift where it's slow and he looks real goofy. Don't look at, don't find that gift. Nobody <laughs> go look for that gift. It's only real, but in real time, he looks real cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, he slides it on his back like dirt. And <laughs> like yeah, I was like, what happened? And, <laughs> yeah. and again, I, I like those moments. I like when it happens with Sam. I like when it happens with Dean. I like when it happens with Crowley when you're 92% badass, 8% dork. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I, and, I, and I was a little bit disappointed, just a tad bit, that we didn't get a calf Bobby hug, you know? I mean, I, I know that in the past, but Cassie and Bobby did uh, work together, you know, like in Frontierland, you know, um, when Cass was attacked by um, Rachel and he was hurt and he went to Bobby. And, um, you know, so there have been other episodes where Bobby and, and Cass did have interaction, just the two of them, without the Winchesters. So I don't know. I, I, I think I just wanted a little bit more familiarity with them. Yeah. It, I don't know. It, it, it was very, very technical, very let's get to business, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing for me is it's one of those things where, uh, and this is kind of me channeling, you know, season eight of Doctor Who, but neither one is really the hugging sort. And I mean, they'll mm-hmm. hug the Winchesters. Mm-hmm. And you know they'll tend to maybe hug a female character because that's the you know 
writers think that that's a thing where men need to hug female characters. I don't know. Um, but they're outside of those moments, they're not really, neither character is the hugging type. And so I didn't, it didn't feel off to me. It was, I kind of would have liked maybe like an, maybe an awkward, like, do we shake? Do we hug? Do we, what do we, what, who are we to each other really? That would have been kind of cool. I would have liked that. Yeah. Well, you know, in season nine, like when um, Cass had his, you know, band of angels and they had the little headquarters and Dean and Sam walked in and, and they embraced each other. But then in mm-hmm. this episode, when Sam and Cass walk up to each other, it was just very, you know, kind of standoffish. And, you know, it's just I, I don't understand, like, sometimes they embrace each other, sometimes they don't. And I, I don't know, I guess I would just like to see them always be so happy to see each other. I, I think just it also depends uh, Sam and, on it depends. Sam and uh, Cass had more bigger things on their minds. Sort of yeah, they're so focused right. on and their I, missions I, and there's so I much going on. on the, and, yeah, I think it depends on the situation. And I think when we get like the, hey, how you doing, bud, kind of hug, mm-hmm. it's also to give us the, the idea of how long it's been since they've been in contact. Whereas we know that Cass and, De- Cass and Sam have been in in contact with each other mm-hmm. and they're they've got very much a mission. So I think I, I think they use it like I said often to show um mm-hmm. whether they've been in contact and how much time has gone by for them. Oh yeah. Okay. That makes that makes more sense, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think going back to that scene, why did Sam steal a car? They have a whole garage full of cars. Why did why did he steal a car? Where did he yeah, get I, that car from? Yeah, why, why and why driving the middle letter cars? And why so didn't Dean might have noticed the car because, missing? Well, Dean no, might have noticed the car with, missing. Well, no, he left with air quote permission. Dean knew he was going to Wichita. Oh yeah. So a, right. if Dean was just yeah, if Dean was just content to bum around the bunker as he was leaving it, why didn't Sam take the Impala? And if there was a if there was a chance that Dean might go do go out and hang out somewhere. Why didn't he take one of them? I mean, he wasn't leaving under, you know, wasn't leaving secretly. Mm-hmm. He told Dean, "I'm going. The movies in Wichita. I'll be back in. I'll be. I'll be a while." Yeah, that's right. So why are you stealing a? Well, how do we know it was stolen? It might be a man of letters. Well, no, because that's a that's a 1970s truck. Uh, well, that's true. As as I was saying it, I was like, nope, too new. So as I was saying it, I was like, <laughs> that that truck would be nineteen. I would have to look at it again. My uncle had a very similar truck, very similar camper, but he had the beige, he had a beige model. And that car is would be between that truck would be between seventy. I would say seventy seven and eighty eighty ish. I'm not for sure, but it would be late seventies probably. So he, but he stole it. I mean, it's stolen because it's clearly not yours, Sam. You don't owe the truck. Well, um, also, the one time that we've seen them in a letters garage, they're all really fancy old cars. But who knows if they yeah. even run anymore? So that's true. Mm-hmm. They may not. They may not run, or you may not want to run mm-hmm. it. Or I guess you may not want to be driving that on the street either. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? We have we have car clubs that do that, but I mean, it's on Sunday. But you really don't want to be mm-hmm. cruising around on your. Uh, I have to find uh, my angel friend because we have to save my brother from the Mark Cain mission and get pulled over for why you drive and for license and registration of a classic vehicle. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah. I still think it's I still think it's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and why did why did Castiel say to Sam, "I'm driving, I'll drive," and they, the expression on me, you know, Sam looks kind of confused. I I thought that was weird too. Like, why do we have to take your car? Why? I mean, and and also, so when where did? Because it's not like Sam they actually showed him. Blue truck? Yeah. yeah, and if that's the case, how did Sam get back to his blue truck after the the playground? Castiel dropped him off. Maybe with Metatron. I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> See, again, I have very I have very few nitpicks about this episode, but those are the little ones where I'm like, eh, or why? Or Sam. Sam maybe just stole a completely different vehicle to get back home with. That's true. He may have done that. <laughs> And I get why if he's going to steal a car, he has to steal a car that's old enough to be able to hotwire. You can't hotwire new cars. So yeah. he's going well, to have to steal something that's at least, like, 15 years old. Yeah. Uh, it, and I like the continuity of that. It goes all the way back to season one of Scarecrow. You know, when, when Dean mm-hmm. says to Sam, how'd you get here? And he's like, stole a car. And he's like, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah, and we have had, you know, that is a, that is a continuous thing where Sam, Sam's the one who will steal a car first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sam's the first one to hotwire a car and get out of here. Um, yeah. But I just thought it was weird. Like, why are you? Because you would think, cause theoretically, if you're if you're Dean Winchester, I was Dean Winchester, and I had that garage of classic cars. I would I would have already made sure every single one of them was running, mm-hmm. and I could cruise them and everything because. We know that, I mean, he built the Impala back from nearly scratch. This is something mm-hmm. he can do. I, 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 this, I, if I was Sam, I'd be upset that my brother had not built me a car by now, which now I realize is a really weird, like, Gilmore Girls crossover type thing. But, <laughs> uh, but, but, but the point is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And, that's, <laughs> and that's another thing, like we said, as, like you said, as much as as obsessive as Dean is and he has to constantly be doing something, he should have rebuilt every single one of those cars and have them in mint shape, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, it, it, and it would be nice to see. <laughs> and I'm not even going to be mad if they want Sam to ride one of those motorcycles. I mean, again, Friday the 13th mm-hmm. has shown me that Jared Padalecki should be on a motorcycle probably at all times. I'm just, <laughs> just putting that out there, CW, uh, Warner Brothers, putting that out there. Yeah. I would love that. I would love to see Sam on the bike. That would be awesome. It's such a, yes, it I mean, he's, you know, he's very like sort of, you know, he's the one that research straight lace, eats his salad, you know, whatever that, that kind of character. But the bike is so, is so different you know mm-hmm. such a departure mm-hmm. such kind of a bit of a rebellion you know it's 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 like it's it's the type of scene that i love on the walking dead you know when daryl daryl's on his bike and he's left leading the convoy you know and whatever i can just see sam like leading the impala you know and they go off on a mission and they need two vehicles you know, i just think that would look cool and they gave daryl another bike which is awesome so Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and one thing I loved about this episode, I don't know if this is the first time, but we finally got Sam's one perfect tier or a single man tier. 
you know, because usually <laughs> Sam, when he cries, it's just like, you know, it's mm-hmm. bucket. So I, I don't he know if he cries like me purpose. normally. Yeah. He doesn't cry as pretty. The, no, he, he does what my mom calls the Claire Danes ugly cry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for anybody who uh, <laughs> watched my soul call life. Whenever Claire yeah. Danes went into that cry, it was the ugly mm-hmm. cry. And, yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't cry as pretty as Dean or as dancing, you oh, know. Yeah, yeah like but. Um, first cry is a, it's a hard, <laughs> real cry. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, he cries like the rest of us, you know. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> exactly. But, but I didn't know if they did that on purpose or if it just happened that way. You know, like Jensen always says, he doesn't plan it, it just happens. But I mm-hmm. thought that it was, it was kind of. Um, interesting that that Sam finally had that, you know, that one perfect tear moment. And I think it was a good in in that one because you don't want, that was not an an ugly cry type of moment. That was a single single man tear type of moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I I like that. I have a question. Um, So when, because my, my, Episodes running while we're on it. I'll just have it on the loop always. When Castiel, when Metatron is human and says that he was lying, and Cass says he's telling the truth, so Cass can tell when people are lying. So how come he can't? How come he doesn't know when Sam and Dean are constantly lying to him and each other, or everybody else all the time? I don't think like, it's what made him. What made, what made him really believe? Metatron in that moment because he says with certainty it's not I think he's telling the truth it's he's telling the truth I think he just certainty I think he just is I don't think I don't think it's a power that Castiel has that he can tell when people are lying or not I just think he was in that moment he was like I believe him he's totally totally telling the truth I'm sorry is it only with angels? Because in my bloody Valentine back in season five, when Cupid said to Cass, "Read my mind, read my mind," I'm telling the truth. And Cass, you know, looked into his eyes and read his mind, and he mm-hmm. said he is telling the truth. And I didn't know if they were going back to that, and if you, Cass can only do it with angels, you know, because but he, he tells Metatron he's mortal. He doesn't read Metatron like that until after he takes his grace. So he tells him you're, you're oh. mortal now. Oh, that's, so that's right. That's yeah. That's what confused mm-hmm. me. Yeah, because he's not uh, an angel anymore. So I was mm-hmm. a little, I was ever so slightly thrown off by that. Yeah, because he said it was certainty. Yeah, because ninety yeah. percent of the time, Cass is clueless, and then all of a sudden, you know. Yeah, especially with Metatron, where you know Metatron has lied to him in the past and has, mm-hmm. you know. Most of this is all Metatron's fault, so I don't know. Thought it was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with probably a slight canon misstep on that one that we're just not supposed. To, we're, we'll all just pretend it didn't happen, like we do. And I have one more question. Um, when when Sam tackled the angel and Cass ran into the you know the heaven's gate, when Cass came back out. Um, where was the angel that Sam tackled? Did he knock him out? Because Sam is not supposed to be stronger than an angel, but Sam's in the um, playground by himself. 
my 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 head canon is that Sam has an angel blade and killed the angel because Sam's uh, not exactly a sign, sound mind and body at the moment. That's my that was my head canon for that because I did think about the same thing like, well, what happened? Shouldn't you either be a still fighting with that angel mm-hmm. or b now letting that angel go back home? Mm-hmm. Or at least holding him off with the blade, you know? Yeah, but yeah. I so I had to kind of headcanon it that he, he did kill that angel. Sorry, wow. angel, you were just doing your job. I didn't want to go there. <laughs> I mean, again, I don't I don't mind my, my salmon being, you know, ninety percent crazy and shoot first ask questions later, so I I can I can I can work around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Becky and I have said, if they were real people, we'd want them to get help. But they're not, mm-hmm. so please stay, please stay screwed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I wanted Dean to eat those nachos. They look so good. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of nachos, and they're called the uh, Hervé Villasens. I thought that was interesting. Hervé <laughs> Villasens was is a little guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my mom did the same. She's like. Nachos. Well, I was like, isn't that the plane guy? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I don't get the. Is there a joke I'm not getting? I was like, I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, I was confused too. I don't know. Um, since since we are running a little low on time, I did want to talk about um, the scene between Crowley and Rowena when he goes back after he's talked with Dean. Um, and we did discuss it briefly, just saying you know, that I said I like that he called her Rowena. But I think I really like the way both of them play that scene and the, you know, him telling her to get out and her her crying and the way he caresses her face. And it's 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 that that kind of cold that I enjoy where it's that what my what my mother calls nice, nasty where I'm caressing you, but it's really because I'm five seconds from blowing your brains out. Uh, But then, you know, we go into the end of the episode and that whole montage over Bobby's letter, you know, we talked about the single man here, but I love the shot of Rowena walking down that barren street. Mm, That was gorgeous. Uh, that, That shot was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody had put up a GIF, and, you know, it's very obvious during the reading when he's talking about the price and it scrolls to Crowley, but somebody had also gift where it's, where it, where Bobby is telling Sam um, something about the depths of darkness they'll go to or anything. That's right as Rowena's walking. Mm-hmm. So I see that is definitely foreshadowing that uh, Rowena is going to play a big part in what's what's coming next for all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, uh, I really have to give it to the director because that shot is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Well, and what what to me was the biggest, you know, if 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 this is how they're going, and this is what's leading me to think Rowena is going to be such a huge thing. One. You know, she mentioned the curse thing and also what you were talking about there, but also in the den section of the episode at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. they kept showing this weird shot of Rowena, the same one, you know, this full on close up of her face. Yeah. 
they kept interspersing that throughout the whole thing. And I was like, that's just strange. And yeah, yeah. I feel like that was, that was a little, I don't even want to call that foreshadowing. Like for me, that was pretty on the nose. In my opinion, that, that was really on the nose. But um, mm-hmm. again, I don't mind it because if they don't pull Rowena into it, then what has been the point of her? Exactly. Mm-hmm. My thoughts yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. But as, right. as, as as soon as they discussed, as soon as, you know, she and Olivet discussed the Men of Letters and there was a whole Winchester connection with the Men of Letters and, and all the, you could feel it all fall into place for Rowena. Ever since that moment, I was like, oh, okay, this is where that. Now, how they do it, that's still, you know, up in the air, but it's def- she's definitely going to play. Um, but I hope Sam and Dean are, do, are, are researching in the Men of Letters library for stuff on the Grand Coven. How would well, Dean they, why, would they, why would they be? They don't know anything about the has, has the Grand Coven? Well, no, that. Yeah, they do because of in about a boy uh, with Hansel and Gretel, the uh, the witch. Oh, that's right, that's right, right, right. Now I don't think they're researching it because I don't, I don't think Sam especially finds it to be any form of priority at the moment. But Um, how is Dean? How is Dean going to tell Sam about that Rowena is Crowley's mother without spilling the beans that he ran into her? I thought about that as well. Like, that's the one thing you kind of can't lie about. Like, mm-hmm. that was a weird, that was a weird thing because you do have to, he's going to have to tell Sam that information. Unless he just tells him he went to the bar to hang out and she was there, you know? But he, that was the opportunity mm. for him to, he kind of missed, he kind of missed his mark to say that already, you know? He said, went to the bar, it was boring. Finding mm. out that is Crowley's mother does not qualify as boring. Yeah. That's actually, you know, some big honking news. Yeah, right. And I loved when Crowley yelled at her and her chin trembled. Yeah. I, I, she is. She blew me away in that particular scene. She was amazing. Ruthie Connell. Ruth Connell. Yeah, Ruthie Connell. She's mm. an amazing actress. And mm. I, you know, it's taken a while, you know, for Rowena to get, you know, going in the storyline, but she has been amazing the whole season long. Mm-hmm. And, well, and we've, just, I, we've I, discussed, yeah, I'd we've discussed her. that we couldn't figure out whether she was, whether it was Ruth being a caricature or she was being directed to be a caricature. We just didn't understand. And now mm-hmm. I'm pretty convinced that it was, you know, all set up for Crowley to be able to, for Crowley and Dean to have that moment of, you know, why do you let Mommy Dearest get to you or tie you up in knots? And finally, I feel like we finally understand that, yes, Crowley knows, like, the caricature of it was on purpose for the, for us to know that Crowley never really bought into it. He just didn't know how to, he just didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And she was family, and he hadn't yeah. had that. He hadn't seen her. He was looking the other way so he could participate in that and also she got excused because she was his mother until mm-hmm. Dean told him you know family doesn't end with blood but it doesn't start there either. although and, I, and I'm pretty sure sorry Jensen Ackles I know you're not listening so you, you can't get mad at me for saying this but I'm 99% <laughs> sure you flubbed your line buddy 
you said family doesn't end in blood, not with blood, which I don't think is any kind of foreshadowing. I think I literally do think he flubbed his line and nobody caught it. Uh, but he does actually say family doesn't end in blood, but it doesn't start with it either. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, I thought I, I, if, if I was a more meta type person, I would analyze that. But again, I'm pretty sure he just messed up his line. Oops. But yeah, if you go back and listen to it, he says, uh, my, that's another one my mom caught. My mom caught, she's like, isn't the line, family don't end with blood? And I was like, isn't that what he said? She's like, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what I loved about that scene, well, there's a lot that I loved about that scene, but I, what I loved was here, this is a Bobby episode. Bobby episode. Bobby is mainly interacting with Castiel and talking with Sam. Yet here's Dean quoting him. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he says, "A wise man once told me." And you know, so Dean had the connection with Bobby in this episode as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we can. And I love that it wasn't painted on an anvil and then propped on our head. You know, it was like it was just <laughs> right, another right. nice little tie-in with. Well, and we we can't we can't we can't leave this without also uh, giving it to Andrew Dobb for fitting in um, kick it in the ass. Yeah. Oh and, yes. And giving it to Bob to to Bobby to say. Um, mm-hmm. I absolutely. I mean, I'm not someone. I'm not an overly emotional person when it comes to TV. So I didn't get choked up or anything, but that got me. That got me in 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 the heart muscle area just a little bit. <laughs> I I do actually have one of those, and every now and then it, something something will nab me there, and that one did. Yeah, like I said, this so. episode just managed everything. It just managed everything really, really well. It had a lot going on, a lot happened, a lot to do, and it just mm-hmm. balanced it and juggled it all. And I I do feel like if you're going to, if Supernatural wants to lean more towards the ensemble that they keep trying to lean towards, um, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you're going to give an ensemble on on a general basis, I would want more Sam and Dean than we got in this episode. But on on the rare occasion, this was fine. Um... And what you know, what we got of them was was good, and it was very brotherly, which I enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think, you know, personally, I think they've really struggled to try to make a show that's not an ensemble morph itself into an ensemble. And this was probably the only episode I think that's done it well. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, just because the scene's happening right now, I'm watching it. But I thought it was really interesting that Rowena used, you know, she's a witch. She has access to tons of spells. Yeah, she used the same one we've seen her use before, the with the dog thing. Um, she used it on those boys. And, you know, and they, and they showed the flashback of her using it on the girl in um, Girls, Girls, Girls. And I was like, that, you know, why are they, why, you know, why did they use the same one and make sure to use the flashback? I thought that was really interesting. It's like, 
does she surely she has something better she could have done we know she knows (laughs) crap why did we have to see all that (laughs) i think well you know there's always the idea that you know a witch has her go-to spells and her go-to and i'm and sometimes i'm just glad there's continuity so i don't complain (laughs) Ah, uh, good point. Good point. Yeah. I, like, oh, I just thought it was weird that they made sure to show the. I just thought I'm so proud of you. I just thought it was weird that they made sure to show the flashback of that she used it before. You know. It's just, yeah. Okay. For me, it was. For me, it was genuinely like you remembered something that happened ten episodes ago, an episode that was written by somebody else. I'm so proud. <laughs> I, I, I can't even. I'm not. Even, I don't even have it in me to complain. <laughs> Sometimes I think that they show those little flashbacks for the casual watchers. You know, not like people like yeah. us who watch it over and over and familiar with it. Oh, you know, for people who watch it one time and then move on, so they forget about things like that. You know, so that might be why. To me, I agree with that to, as well. To me, it was like it's not that important. So no, it, I think well, it, it was for her to remind Dean that she's not, she's not, uh, she's not BSing about what that spell can do. He's mm-hmm. seen it. And mm-hmm. if he really is the hero, and I love the way she uses hero so derogatorily. Like, she's just like, mm-hmm. you're the hero, throwing it at him, and I love it. And I think I think it was more for her to be able to remind him that I'm telling you this spell is going to do this, and you've seen that it'll do it, so I'm not just, I'm not just bullshitting you. Mm-hmm. This, is, this spell is really going to do that, and... This is this is this is your decision to make. Do you save these boys or do you kill me? So I think it was in this case. I think it was for the continuity sake of Dean. He knew exactly what would happen to the boys if he didn't let exactly. her save them. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. I have no idea what that noise is, but it's really strange. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hear like squeaking. <laughs> that's that's my cat. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> the one, really? All the noise is my fault tonight. <laughs> Sorry. No, I had the I train. Thought it was... Remember, I had the train. <laughs> uh, okay, so for once, none of the noise was my fault. That's a that's a switch. Oh, I did have the train. So I'm just the pencils and cat cat part tonight. So. <laughs> oh, and well, I owe you guys an apology because I called in, um, I think, back in episode four, Paper Moon, and there was that echo. And I I thought that I had closed my app, but that was me. And I felt so bad oh. afterwards. Oh, no worries. Oh, <laughs> banned. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought my app was closed and then after I hung up I realized it was still open and that's why you kept hearing the echo so that was my fault so that noise was mine I'm sorry I just no, no, no worries I, um, as it was pointed out by some other people um, apparently we often have sound issues mm-hmm. um, which you know sorry we are alive uh, program. We don't edit anything. And uh, we also go through third party, which is Media Boulevard. 
so we do our best uh, on our non-existent budget. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes. No, 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 no apology. If no somebody apology wants, needed. If somebody wants to pay for us to have professional <laughs> equipment and a studio and stuff like that, Editing, we're all for it. Yeah, it's yes. we're all for it. <laughs> um, and real... Yeah, until yes. then, we're going to do it on our phones the way we do it, because that's all we can do. <laughs> yes, we we live in different states. We do not have those fancy radio microphones, nor do we have an office to do this. And again, literal non-existent budget. So <laughs> No soundproofing, no soundproof yeah, studio. <laughs> that's None not hyperbole. Things. We have no money. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's a... So the little things happen, so like Susan is saying she forgot to hang up. It happens with other callers sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fine. We don't mind. Um, our Susan had a train. She mm-hmm. had a color pencil. Mm-hmm. This is what we are real people. <laughs> yep. My dog um, Lily has made an appearance in several podcasts. That's right. <laughs> my my dog my dog before she passed away had had made a few a few appearances as well. So, um, we, for the episode, there was a couple other little things I I really enjoyed. They're just little things, but I thought they were just nice touches. And um, Bobby's reading the book on Tori Spelling. Yeah. Heaven, <laughs> yes. And the gambler is playing in the background, which I loved. And we which I thought was a fantastic musical choice for the, for them to mm. use for Bobby. Um, yep. On again, different levels. Yeah, great callback. Yeah. Great callback to Bobby to Weekend at Bobby's. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. Um, when he's when he's running around heaven trying to meet up with. Castiel, he goes to door 42, which is I love that. the hitchhikers, hitchhikers I guys love, in the galaxy, so because funny. it's the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys like that? And I was, I was watching, um, I was watching the episode actually uh, on the phone. The first time I watched it was Clarissa, and I was, I went, uh, 42. And she was like, "What's 42?" And I'm like, <laughs> the "Answer to the universe." And she's like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, 42 is the answer to everything. No, nothing? She's like, no. And I'm like, that's why 42 is used in so much stuff. She's like, is that why? I was like, yes, why? <laughs> She's, She's never okay. read those books. She's never read the book. She's never seen the movie. No, so I was like, you don't even know what you're missing. It's a fantastic book and a, and a decent adaptation for a movie. Um, because you need to watch it, but yeah, she didn't get it, and I was, and I was going, oh, of course, forty two, because it's it's one of those things where once you get the joke, at some point for some people, which is me, who's a cranky old woman, basically, uh, the joke starts to get old, and for me, I'm like, of course, forty two, whatever. And, <laughs> and it was I, also, it was also Mulder's apartment number in X Files. Of course, that's right. Of course. Um. Also, I like that Dean's demon red shirt was back. Mm-hmm. Bobby's having these issues. And I just love Jensen in that red shirt. But it seems to <laughs> That's because red and green are complementary colors. He should always wear red. <laughs> he just looks great in it. But I think it also suits what's happening with Dean. Also, a little bit of a callback for 
twisted human ways, but I just like how he looks. Um, well, so we're only live for about eight more minutes. Um, okay, well, I will let you guys go. Thank you so much, and you guys oh, have well, a very you. happy Easter. You as Thank well. you. You too. And thanks for calling. Thanks for calling in, Susan. Oh, it's my pleasure. I always love you listening to you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Um, so, yes, we are – next week will be a rerun. So we will not be having a podcast next week. And then we'll be back in two weeks uh, to discuss episode 18, Book of the Damned. They're rerunning Executioner's Song this coming week. Mm-hmm. So be sure, if you haven't yet, um, go to our um, uh, blog talk radio or go to our website, and you can find the link there for our interview with Tim Amundsen, where we talk to him about the Executioner's Song as well as his first episode, um, Firstborn, from last year. Yes. Yeah. And another terrific episode for this season, an absolute favorite, is the execution or something. So definitely worth and a rewatch. Though there is no episode, we will still do uh, uh, SBNT Tuesday. So it'll still be a Tuesday, so we'll still be doing the episode. I mean, still be doing the giveaway. Um, for those people who don't know, uh, Represent has sent some people some emails saying we basically broke their inventory. So bear with them if you haven't gotten your uh, Always Keep Fighting Garrett shirt. We literally broke their inventory and they are scrambling to fulfill. Some people have gotten theirs already, so um, don't get frustrated with them. Uh, They have been trying to send emails to people and let them know that their order may be delayed. Uh, Uh, They ran out of the um, baseball jersey and the charcoal color. They only have Mm 5,000 or something. So yeah, that one's going. And to be I saw really- a few, <laughs> a few other people got an email about. Uh, I think it was the fitted, fitted in navy. There was another, a couple other screen caps of other styles that I saw people were like that they were getting the. Sorry, American Apparel is is it does not have the inventory to help us out. <laughs> Hell, Train sorry. Back. Train, train number two. <laughs> oh dear. Um, um, and I see. But that's a great problem to have if you're a company and Jared's campaign was such a success that you exactly. can't find the shirt. That you run wonderful. out of shirts. Um, filming is winding down. On filming is winding down on Supernatural. The Right, they filmed the finale, but they're filming out of order. So I think they're filming the finale and then filming one more episode, maybe I think. And the wrap party will be coming up pretty soon. Yeah. So Jim Michael, Jim Michael, Jim Michaels called into our podcast last year from the wrap party. Maybe he'll do it again this year. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I love that. And, and I feel like I have to give my obligatory. If you were listening to this podcast, Jim, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
tweeted him just a little while ago. He's he was up to something. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I have to uh, And we are going to be trying to move our podcast, hopefully for the last run of episodes, back to Fridays. Like so, today. Uh, or yes, but staying permanently. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do tend to fluctuate between Friday and Saturday, uh, so I know for some people it's a little, it's a little, sometimes but, we'll, get, uh, we'll get a tweet that's like, but don't you do your podcast on, yeah, and sometimes I forget what day of the week it is, and I have to have them remind me what day of the week we are currently on, not just what day we're doing the podcast, but what day of the week it actually is in the world. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say why I want it on Fridays <laughs> is because on April 18th Orphan Black comes back and it's on Saturdays and I want to watch Orphan. I was totally <laughs> gonna give you an out on that. I was not even gonna give a reason. I was just gonna let it be for for continuity's sake. But since you're gonna throw yourself under that bus, yes. I oh, will. I will totally do it for Orphan Black because I love that show. So um, yes, that is why we will be. Uh, for the last round of episodes, definitely on Fridays. Oh. Unless for some as far reason as we we're know. able to get a special guest at some point and they can only do it Saturday, then we would change over. So yeah, I would yeah. miss out on Orphan Black for a special guest. Which is not a team. Yeah. We have nothing in the works right now. Yeah, we have nothing. Yeah. We have nothing planned. Just in case something yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah. so you never know. Yes, but just, just, okay. to, just to clarify, we're not teasing anything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um, so we will talk to you, everyone, in two weeks. Thank you for listening to us tonight. Thanks, everybody. I was trying to think real quick if there was something. Oh. It seems like I'm forgetting something, but I can't I think, so. think of what it was. If I if I remember whatever it was, I will tweet about it because I know there was something. But oh, I'm sure we did everything. <laughs> I had a list. I got through my list. You're you're way yeah. better than me. I, I I didn't have a list. I've just been sitting here coloring while we're talking. Yeah, well it. that's why. That's why. Yeah. This time I was. This time I was the adult. You only get me, but this this was one week. The other fifty-one weeks of the year, that's your job. Don't get yeah, me I, okay. I, I took all my notes and I and I've got them all crossed off. I think we we talked about everything and it was like several pages. So yeah, success. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so thank you everyone and good night and we'll let the boys play us out. Thanks everybody. Good night. Uh, if you celebrate Happy Easter, if you celebrate Happy Passover, and if you do not celebrate those things, Happy Spring. And here's the boys. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio.